0: And I'm going to stop the timer now, too. So 45 minutes. Okay. On the clock.
1: All right, here we go. And welcome to the first podcast of Mythical Monster Investigation. And we are your host. I am Archimage. Shadow and we've also Fox. got. I beat you there. I beat you. There. <laughs>
2: I introduced myself, <laughs> damn it. I am Zed. <laughs> yes, you beat me. Congratulations.
1: You beat me in something that didn't matter. Number one. <laughs> Always. Well done. Okay. And we we are going to go over various monsters in culture, both pop culture and mostly mythological culture. So we're going to be taking a look at their myths, and we're going to be taking a look at how they may have come into being by knowing the time frame, the um, historical references, and even the symbolism behind the monsters and their, well, various attributes. So... The points that we're going to go over is that, with everything, I firmly believe that there is a grain of truth to every legend and myth, that everything is based off something. Would you guys agree?
0: Yes. Yes. Shadow Arfox? Yes. No, I The. Uh, I already said it. Oh, okay. You both said yes at the same time. Okay, <laughs> sorry, my bad. I'll- <laughs> I hear
1: you. Okay, we're okay. in sync.
0: Good. There we go. Okay.
1: There okay go. <laughs> so. So, yeah, we believe that every story has a grand truth, but also something that I have noticed is that modern society, which probably was consistent with every, like, time period, but especially today, is that we're a little bit full of ourselves. We basically think our ancestors were complete idiots. We do not think they were anything but superstitious morons, which, personally, I think is unfair, Because our ancestors were pretty smart. While they didn't have the technology of the day, they were. I'm sorry,
0: Alkamich. I gotta cut you off right there because I'm. No, our ancestors, you know, they got aliens to help them build the pyramids. (laughs) 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 Seriously, there is no evidence of that. You're seriously
1: going off (laughs) the ancient (laughs) aliens crap?
0: I knew that would get right. How? Every archaeologist has to. Deb- you know what? Okay, <laughs> I'll leave that alone. No, I I hate that so much. I hate whenever someone say the pyramid. Look how <laughs> look how structurally sound the pyramids are. Clearly, they must have been made by aliens. I'm like. Although just made by a bunch of people who had nothing better to do than <laughs> listen to a guy who essentially ruled their entire life when he say build this and make it last, and they had nothing better to do, so I mean, yeah, that is pretty much it. <laughs> Sorry, I had to bring that one up because you know someone's gonna be like, what about the aliens in the pyramid? I know, of course, someone is. No. I'm sorry,
1: we do not believe in ancient aliens. If you believe in it, well, you need to read some archaeology, because all archaeologists say they're full of crap. But, anyway, um, I now have completely lost my train of thought. (laughs) Sorry, I had to to go.
2: Congratulations, we're already derailed. How,
1: How many minutes has it been? Less than four? That didn't take long. Yeah, okay, so... No, what I was on is that our ancestors were not stupid because a lot of people have that misconception. But our ancestors were actually pretty smart. Like, our ancestors actually managed to calculate the circumference of the Earth within like a one percent margin of error. I know people today with calculators who wouldn't even know where to begin to do that, and they somewhere figure they somehow figured it out. I mean, in all honesty, could you guys like where if you guys were asked to calculate the circumference of the world with no modern technology? Where would you even begin? Uh, it's not a rhetorical question. I'm genuinely so asking.
0: I would first try to. Uh, so first, you gotta get the size of the Earth because once you get the size, you can literally just plug in plug the number into the formula. Um, okay. How are you gonna get the size of the Earth? So we're gonna get a very long tape measure. <laughs> And someone's going to have to walk a really far <laughs> distance. <laughs> oh, no. I believe that if I recall correctly.
2: Um, <laughs> bullshit, apparently. The answer is <laughs> bullshit.
0: If I recall correctly, um, then they actually, because it took them a while to get the circumference. Didn't they have, because I, I recall, yes, they got the circumference, but wasn't the first several um times they got the circumference they were way off in terms of size of the earth if memory served correctly uh that depends are you talking about modern day scientists no I, i'm experts? talking a- ancient days when they were originally trying um said they thought they found the circumference um ancient days because i recall that they were off and they of were these- off uh,
1: but uh, i'm talking about one person in particular who actually did it pretty well which uh I have completely I, forgotten his name. Unfortunately, was it a Greek?
0: But, um, yes, it was a Greek. Um, I think I know. Was it the one that um always looking, not Galileo, but um, I I think I know. He's talk- the one who was always looking at the telescope. Um, uh, no, that was Middle Ages. Middle Ages, okay. Um, uh, no, I'm sorry. His name was. I'm going to butcher this.
1: Eratothenus. Eratothenus. I, I, uh, that's probably not ex- all how you say it, but he's the one who found it out, and he did it around 255 BC. I mean, that's impressive. Mm. They, they have theories about how he did it, but no one is quite sure how exactly he got so close to the circumference of the earth. But basically, he did it all with essentially not even pen and paper, like a uh, quill and pyrus. Or, you know, whatever they used for pens in ancient Greece. So, that's the point. Our ancestors were not stupid, and they built some amazing things with the technology of their time. So, we have to get out of this mindset that we are the zenith of human intellect, when there's a big difference between ignorance and blatant stupidity. Ignorance is just not knowing something. You can learn
0: things, but... Well, you can't fix stupid. That's how he... Okay, they think they know how he did it. To give people context yeah. on how they think they know how he did it, he basically measured... He got someone... He, he essentially did do what I did. <laughs> he got someone... But he didn't go around the whole planet. He didn't go around the whole planet. He got the guy to go to the next um, town over, which was exactly, like, 5,000 units of their measurement, and then, which is 800 kilometers now. And then from there... um. He used that um to find the circumference by essentially um if I'm understanding this correctly because they um he plugged it into a formula and I'm trying to figure, i think he was plugged in a formula that um essentially was going up against the sun, sorry part of the text is getting chopped off because of a freaking ad video, so I can't see the logic <laughs> behind the function but essentially <laughs> um.
1: Going yeah, Google of doesn't the,
0: want you to know higher math. Well, going off of the... Well, the website doesn't. Going off of the fact that the Earth were round and it had to be a sphere he is in, and that it had to turn around, he essentially used that as a way to go, okay, well, if this point to this point is this much and we're at this angle and to kind of bring it into a whole 360 degrees, he essentially just took um, 800 kilometers time... Um, 50, which came out to 40,000 kilometers. And then that's when part of the stuff get cut off so I can't finish reading the entire formula. So, But okay, essentially, so- he, yeah, he, he he did what I did. But but he didn't go as extravagant as I did. So I'm going to call him didn't lazy. Essentially,
1: so, re- really, he was lazy. You were literally <laughs> going to try to take a giant tape measure to measure the circumference of the earth where he calculated it. Yes, he did. It.
0: He did it a little <laughs> bit. Fan- He's the lazy one. Fine, he did it fancier than me. <laughs> <laughs> Fancy. Okay, that's all right. So clearly, our
1: ancestors
2: that's as were at as, least you're that's as good as you're getting. As good as you're getting. Okay.
0: okay so our ancestors were fancier than modern day okay there we go here a website that actually gave me um, once he knew that it was 500 miles 800 kilometers he measured the angle of the sun rays by this pole divided the length of the shadow by the height of the pole for an angle of 7.12 degrees um, they already knew the earth was round um, so 360 degrees in a circle um, so by dividing 360 by 7.2 um he arrived at 250 and then from there um oh what was it 24,000 um 24,854 miles 40,000 kilometers and then from the and that's essentially how he um came to that conclusion so using um a distance he could measure to um a polar an angle angle and a sun coming in casting a shadow so basically, a lot of geometry. Yeah, geometry and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because the sun casting a shadow. If you know the
1: dis, if you know the uh, height of the pole you're using, you can basically use a tri- You can use formulas for a triangle, though you have to add in the curve a little bit. But yeah, essentially geometry. But again, that's my point. Our ancestors were very clever, despite what people think. And as you just proved, uh, this is going back to ancient Greece, Christopher Columbus was not the first person who thought the Earth was
0: round. The whole people used to think the Earth was. Flat is a myth that is not true wait 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 you're telling me all those people who think the Earth is flat and the guy who took a rocket up into the stratosphere thought and said Yep, yeah, yep i see it it's flat you're telling me he's lying to me
1: yes <laughs> yes i am telling you he's lying to you
0: <laughs> very much so and you should stop sending him money <laughs> what makes you think i'm sending him money I'm bu- yeah, I'm, good, I'm making a fortune. I forgot off- who I was talking I'm to. making a I- fortune off to selling people a bunch of maps. Basically, I got the best racket. I buy a paper map and I say this is what the earth actually looked like to them and they pay me double the price for an accurate map.
1: You All know what? Vision? It's a shape that <laughs> would work. It's
2: sad that I it's sad that I know that business <laughs> strategy would work.
0: That would entirely work, that, uh, that, that hurts a little uh, bit. I like, you could hear the pause, where Xan and the Archivage were like, holy shit, that actually is going to work. That would work perfectly,
1: wow, no, okay.
2: It's a That's a working business strategy, but yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, if anybody's curious why I'm so annoyed, it's because there are flat earthers out there, and they frankly piss me off because they have done experiments themselves to prove the earth was flat and failed miserably, and yet they still have an entire... <laughs> You know what? Again, let's move on, or we're gonna get into a rant. Okay, so the point is, our ancestors were there already. Yeah, yeah. The (laughs) point. You know what? I think the point is, our ancestors are probably smarter than like half the people alive today. You know what? I think that's the point.
0: A little bit, yes. I mean, that's what always get me to just build off of you arguments. Yeah. Um, one thing that someone brought up was that the pyramids. Um they they try to claim this is another reason why aliens had to help not right. just one they're like how did they come up with a pyramid being the most structurally sound thing to build to go up high and it's like you mean besides the fact that you know common sense would dictate to us that when you're trying to build straight up if you build just a a, a rectangle eventually it's gonna start reaching a point where it's gonna become a little bit unstable whether it's because the foundation itself and there's too much weight Leaning a tower pizza. Um, oh, you get a situation, and if you try to build other shapes, it becomes too complicated. Pyramid, you know, eventually you will come to the conclusion a pyramid's shape is most structurally sound and easier to build. Yeah, especially when there's evidence that they did actually work things yeah. out. Remember, the first pyramid was a step pyramid. Yeah,
1: and, So, and, essentially, they were building on top of knowledge that they had.
0: Well, they try to um, claim that the fact that multiple civilization all came to the conclusion that pyramids was the best shape to build up high, that's proof of alien. I'm like, oh, it's just proof that a that good idea, y- that a good idea, you don't have to be, can not only originate from one culture, it can, you know, it can travel, it can easily one culture on the other side of the planet and another culture that never interacted, it can come to the same conclusion that this is yeah. a good idea.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, the laws of physics stay pretty much constant no matter where you are in the world. Don't tell and again, that And <laughs> that. Oh, don't. Yeah, true. But, yeah, so that that's the point that I'm going off of is that our ancestors were smarter than we give them credit for and that we really should get off our high horse because, let's face it, a lot of people nowadays, you take away their
0: cell phone, they won't be able to find the bathroom. They will be dead. <laughs> yeah, I wish oh, I could say yeah, that, that that's was a true. joke. That's that's not a joke. I I swear. You take some people. That's, not, that a they, they that's not a joke. They will die by that's the end of the day. Truth.
1: It, by the end, by the end of the hour. Uh, uh, by uh, the yeah. end of the day.
2: <laughs> by the end of the day, they will look like an old man in his thirties who's completely down on life, living in a studio apartment, who eats nothing but Cheetos and drinks five cans of beer every five
1: hours. I know some people who call that living. Two. Uh, which is sad, but... Yeah, let, let's uh, move on from the sadness. Um, so, and then the next point I wanted to bring out is to kind of give an idea about the premises we're going on with the stories. Not only that we believe that there's a grain of truth to every legend and myth, but also is the sense the sensualization... Sorry, let me try it again. Sensualization of stories. So stories have a way of being sensationalized. I mean, that's just, that's how it is. Storytellers like to tell stories, and when storytellers tell stories, they want to make them interesting. They want to make them more interesting. So this is where stories kind of get muddled, you know? It's more interesting if things happened very fast, or, you know, uh, the monster wasn't just, wasn't 10 feet tall, he was 100 feet tall. There weren't 20 soldiers, there were 1,000 soldiers, things like that. So where the core is the same, they over-exaggerate to make it more interesting. But here's the thing, is that sometimes I've noticed that some stories are more sensationalized than others, and the more sensationalization comes from the more kind of lackluster of a story. If a story is already very sensational, it's actually less prone to sensationalization because it's already very interesting. It doesn't need it. Where some stories are cool but not as good can need a little bit more to make it interesting does that make sense yes yeah yeah so that's where we're going with that and with that mindset uh we're going over our first monster in this session which i thought we'd start off very simple with the grim reaper or basically death
0: that's that's a good place to start right with death yeah, the one thing humanity don't like yeah. to think about. Let's start with that <laughs> concept.
1: Actually, to be fair, in a national poll, um, this was a while back, but in a national poll they showed that when talking about fears, death actually wasn't the number one fear. People fear public speaking public more. Public speaking me. more. Which, um, yeah, okay. So people are more afraid to give a speech than, you know, be yeah, shot know. in the head. <laughs> like, okay, good to know. Uh. That, again, maybe, our, maybe us looking down our ancestors, I don't think we completely have a right to considering that. Uh, anyway. Yeah, uh. I'm sorry. So,
0: the, <laughs> I'm sorry. Death is kind of up there for me. Right. <laughs> um, so going on with
1: death. Death is interesting. Like, in every culture across the planet has a physical representation of death. There's a lot of them. Um, two that I'm going to mention... Um, is one Mot, who, who is a Canaanite? Physical interpretation of death. I mention him because he might be the earliest interpretation of death in a physical form that we have. What he was his might name again? One of the first Mot. Very simple M O T. Mott. And I mention him because again he might be one of the first, if not the first, interpretation of death. He is Canaanite. very old.
0: Okay. Canaanite. Canaanite.
1: Yes. Canaanite, yes. And uh, the second one I want to mention is Thanatos. Oh, that I know very well. Yeah, sometimes also called Thanos, not to be confused with the Marvel character. Um, He's a Greek interpretation. I mention him because what's interesting is that this interpretation of death is often depicted as a young man or woman with wings. They're human, but they have wings on their back, similar to Christian angels. Which... I find interesting, but we're not going to go in that today, maybe another episode. But again, it's an interesting depiction. Now one thing that is actually interesting about a lot of the interpretations of death in various cultures before the Grim Reaper is that a lot of them are actually not terrifying. Many of them are actually very welcoming, um, calm, peaceful. Which is why the Grim Reaper is kind of out of place. Guys have uh, any questions
0: about that or anything you want to add to that? Well, I mean, to the Thanatos one, I would add the fact that there is a whole story of the main who tricked Thanatos and he was punished so greatly. King um, Erebus or um, what was his name? Um, basically, his. Pun- if you've ever heard the punishment of forcing to push a boulder up a hill only for it to roll back downhill and do that for all eternity. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think his name was S- Sisyphus. Was Sisyphus, yeah, yeah, that's it. So, I mean, Sisyphus, <laughs> he tried to... I mean, other than that story, there's not that many stories around Thanatos in Greek lore. Um, that's the biggest one that I know of because someone actually caught death and tricked death two times. Yeah. Um and then not only that but the funny enough thing is whether this is because i don't know how ancient greek viewed it hades people think hades was the god of death but he wasn't he was the god of the underworld um and and, that's specifically the underworld not
1: tartarus or their version of hell
0: no it now to be fair it was the place where taught where um and I believe that version of Heaven was the er- Erebin Fields or... Um... Um, the Elysium, Elysium Fields. Elysium, thank things. you. Yep. I knew it was something where E. So um, the Elysium Fields and technically um, tolerance, if my understanding were correct, they both lie either in the Underworld or, clo- or connected to it. Because the Underworld was, it was a passageway to it, as my yes. understanding was. Um, Yes, it was connected to it. You went to the Underworld basically for Hades
1: to judge you.
0: Yes, and then you, because um, we all know of Chiron and his. um, The boatman. Yeah. and Demanding um, payment. Yep, so we know that there was a way. So for some reason, nowadays, I don't know whether it was nowadays or back then, or whether it was always like this. Hades always get kind of spoken of as a villain. I think that's more nowadays than anything, but. Okay, so Hades is actually interesting, and uh, glad you brought that up. So, yes, if you actually look at
1: legends, Hades is actually pretty chill. I mean, he only did one
0: bad thing, which was Persephone.
1: And And Persephone's also. Yeah, that's also debatable. But Hades is. um, A lot of Hades' thing is because of, well, Christianity, where Hades is basically associated more with the devil. Um, So, he becomes kind of the de facto bad guy when you mix mythologies. Um, But. Also, this does this is a little bit of the Greeks' fault because the Greeks had a very strict taboo against mentioning Hades because Hades was still the Lord of the Underworld. You know, he was the person who would judge you and send you to your ultimate fate. So to say Hades was kind of, to the Greeks, like tempting fate. So you weren't supposed to... You know, it's the same way that nowadays we say don't talk about death. The Greeks said it, don't talk about Hades. And that's why Hades and, Perse- and uh, Persephone were not greatly mentioned because they feared summoning
0: them. Kind of like saying Bloody Mary and a mirror three times. Which is funny because Persephone technically was the goddess uh, goddess of fertility, technically.
1: Yes, and later, well, in other myths, she's the goddess of the underworld. Go, but but, well, she became the queen thing. of the
0: underworld after um, marrying Hades and everything. But Yeah,
1: and uh, th- there's a whole nuance to that. But yes, essentially, Hades was very chill, but... To be fair, the Greeks did have a stipulation against summoning him because they just didn't want the to chance, you know, bringing about the person who judges them ultimately in the end, whether or not he was chill or not. So that's kind of where it was and where Hades kind of becomes an easy scapegoat to make an easy bad guy, especially thanks to the Disney animated movie Hercules, which I don't care what anybody says, that movie was fun. It a fun movie. Yeah, exactly. I mean, James Wood as Hades was a lot of fun. Oh, I think most people can't imagine Hades without his voice nowadays. No, I can't. Like, not at all. It's just, it's a fun movie. But, so that's where it goes. And I think a lot of that reasoning... It's actually an interesting point, because that plays into this monster a bit. Because the Grim Reaper um, was based... The first time the Grim Reaper shows up is around Europe in the late 13th to 14th century. Now, the physical depiction of the Grim Reaper, like I said, is contrastually very different from past deities of death. The Grim Reaper is basically a black-cloaked skeleton wielding an intimidating scythe and beckoning you basically towards death. As far as powers and abilities, he doesn't really... Well, it depends on... Well, all of his powers and abilities that people associate with Grim Reaper nowadays come from media and different television shows. But back then, he was pretty simple. He comes for you, you die, he takes you to wherever you're going. And that's the Grim Reaper in a nutshell. Which, well, it is interesting that his image, even though being very late as far as an interpretation of death goes, his one has populated uh, modern-day culture, which isn't everything. I mean, there was an entire show around it, like the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, there are talks of grim reaper Ghost Rider, you know is a skull bound bounty hunter collecting
0: souls now technically and, he's an angel of vengeance so <laughs> yeah but still
1: the, the look is clearly inspired by the grim reaper yeah. and well can you guys think of other ways that the grim reaper has inspired modern day culture
0: um well we got a cup i i believe you gave us gave zed the challenge of trying to find for each monster we would do zed would try and find a pokemon that is the equivalent <laughs> yeah. of that monster. And we came up with a few full... That exactly. One. This is the so, segue. So, Zane, pull, pull up I a Pokedex. I have one
2: that is... That is so... <laughs> <laughs> do I have to get
0: a voice changer now <laughs> to make me sound like a Pokedex? <laughs> no, that, we'll do that next time. That would be awesome if you could. Actually, yeah. Think of that for next time. But, yeah, go, go ahead.
2: Oh, God. I'm mean, going to have to do research on that now. Okay, it's fine. Um, So, this one... Ironically enough, it was a bit harder to find things, but I did find one. It doesn't necessarily go with the whole Skull and Black Cloak motif, but it is a Pokemon known for Ferrying Spirits. And I'm going to go ahead and show both of you that. I'm pretty sure you already know what it probably is. Shadow um, Fox probably does. Yeah, I know But the I one well, that I have too. selected, of course, is Dusk Noir. Dusk Noir. Which is a very obvious one. Dusk Noir, yes. More specifically, for the entry right here, it comes and goes between this world and the afterlife. People fear this Pokemon because it is said to suck in lost spirits and take them along. Okay. Well, I'll be damned. ducks taking them away to the afterlife.
1: Wow, Bobby damned! You found a Pokemon to represent death. Okay, well done. I did. Now, not sure another it, it. I'm one clapping.
2: to represent a different kind of death. <laughs> there you go. So, yes. Yeah. I can find one that represents death. I can also find one that's more morbid in this thing.
0: Nah, he has some uh, real amazing which thing. Which is Drifloon. Okay. As I quickly try to... Now, here's the funny thing.
2: Just here, you see what it looks like. I guarantee you this tiny purple balloon is more terrifying. Seriously? Yes, because... It is whispered that any child who mistakes driftloon for a balloon and holds onto it could wind up missing. Wow. This thing is known for acting as a balloon, a child grabs it, and then it floats them away, never to be seen again.
1: <laughs> Damn. That's kinda dark. Is Pokémon getting dark? Yes. It was always dark. So,
2: wow, okay. It's been dark, my friend. Wow. But yes, okay. in terms of an actual representation of death, death, Dusk Noir would be the better option for actually ferrying spirits to and from the physical plane the And you the said physical plane the afterlife. as
0: well? Um
1: okay uh, Drifloon
2: is just more of a morbid okay. one for, morbid. for okay. the death of children okay
1: gotcha um but Dust Noir is actually interesting because uh you
0: also see Dust Noir is uh, for those who want to look it up uh it is a rather creepy movie. I, I am, about. as I quickly try to add a image of Dust Noir to the current image that is in our background for this podcast, and it's going to be popping on screen just randomly. <laughs> so, Okay, yeah. As you can see, you creepy. Yeah. You will see in, like, the next couple of minutes.
1: <laughs> so, but yeah, you can see yeah. that it's, it's creepy. And again, which is a very... Um, it's very off from the other interpretations of death, which were, again, very welcoming. Because, you know, death was just a natural part of life. So why did the Grim Reaper decide, you know, suddenly become this foreboding, terrifying skeletal figure? Well, to look at that, we have to consider the time period that the Grim Reaper came about. And the Grim Reaper came about in one of the worst times that you can imagine, something of absolute fear, it came about the time of the Black Death. When, how, like, how much of the European population just suddenly contracted a horrid disease and died? It was, well, it, it was terrifying. You know, there was nothing you could do. They didn't have any knowledge of germs or bacteria. So what they saw was this basically unseen force swoop in out of nowhere and suddenly one person starts off just coughing and the next moment they're dying and towns are literally being filled with dead bodies everywhere and even towns that tried to lock down half the population in towns died even when they locked down because well they found out later that uh, a lot of the black plague was well at least that they theorized the black plague was spread ...by fleas who hitched a ride on the back of rats and ships, which brought the Black Death. So, I don't give a damn what Ratatouille says. Stay away from rats. That's my advice. But, you guys can imagine the kind of atmosphere the Black... So we shouldn't let rats cook our food. Got it. Yes. And you shouldn't
0: eat rats either. Sorry, well, there goes that business strategy. So, rule of thumb is, I think they found that it was the brown rats that um, are the most likely carriers... Of the play compared to the to compared to like the blacks and white ones, yeah. You know, out of context, that sentence could sound really bad. Now that I think about it. I mean, Zai. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like just oh. hearing that small section. And Zay Z- Ultimate <laughs> can probably see now what um everyone else can see on screen. That's what oh. they, that's what they currently see now. <laughs> Nice. Um I'll probably put a who's that monster like <laughs> I'll probably do like that in the in, in the next pause before we- <laughs> like who's that who's that Pokemon monster <laughs> or something like that. i c I'll think of it. I'll woke chop it. Okay, so sounds good. Um so yeah, you again you can imagine
1: the type of atmosphere the Black Death would create. It would create one of absolute fear, panic, dread. Like you literally have no notion of when your last moment's going to be. Like we walk around, naturally we all walk around with any moment could be our last. But at that point with all the death around them, they were really, death was constantly on their mind to the point where they're constantly asking themselves instead, is this moment my last? Which there is, I stipulate there is nothing people are more afraid of than something they don't know, what they don't understand. Because if you know what something is, it's not as scary. Like if you are sleeping in a new hotel room or a new bed or something, you hear a strange noise, you don't know what that noise is, and that worries you. But once you know what it is, it's not as scary. You can put a name to it. You can put a label on it. I gotta stop you
0: there. I've been to some hotel. Sometime knowing what the noise is (laughs) is even more horrifying than not knowing what the noise is. Okay. Well (laughs) sometimes So, wouldn't you rather know what the noise
1: is? (laughs) Sometimes
0: it's been left (laughs) unsolved.
1: Okay, for the majority of things, it's better we know. Feel better. A little bit, but not. (laughs) And remind me to get a list of what hotels you've been to, so I can stay away from. Yeah, that's probably a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Anyway, so. In this time period, we then have what I think was one of the biggest sources of the Grim Reaper. It was not only this time of fear and desperately wanting some explanation to where we believe almost anything, but then we have entering the Plague Doctor. Now, the Plague Doctors are 50-50 on popularity. Most people don't actually know what a Plague Doctor is, but they do know their masks. Plague doctors are the ones who have those strange masks with the long beak that you see in many horror films and gothic culture and where people wear them around as costumes where they don't actually know what they are. The plague doctors were real. Um, they often wore leather masks. They were rarely ever black. Normally they were, well, leather, so they were brownish, sometimes white, uh, with glass lenses so that they could see. and. Long beaks. They also had very thick wax coats on, wax gloves, thick thick leather pants, thick boots, and often carried a staff. And as you can tell, this would be a pretty creepy thing to look at. Which, um, funny enough, the long beaks that they're so well known for are actually the most important part of this getup. Yeah, they are the most important part of the getup, at least in the time period, because the nose would, was filled with herbs, spices, and other things. Because at the time, they believed the Black Death was transmuted through poisonous air, which uh, is not true at all. Um, but that's what they believed, so that's why they had that signature nose, which is funny. It was actually the heavy woolen clothes they wore that protected them from the fleas and
0: rats that were actually carrying the flag. but.
1: Again, that's where their signature look comes. Again, from.
0: they also believe that the plague was partially caused by dirty air. Yeah, oh, that's why they have. The, yeah, no, that's why they have those long snouts is because they were filled with sweet smelling herbs to protect and from the bad air. Again, all I got you covered. If you're looking, look at now, disco chat. I'm, I'm <laughs> updating the image, real time. <laughs> <laughs> you put my Photoshop skill yep. to the test
1: right now. <laughs> Awesome. So, Zed, do you if you saw that coming in after being attacked after population just died, would you feel secured and safe? Sure, he looks friendly. <laughs> right, because birds are so trustworthy, right? Not the right answer.
2: Oh, hang on, hang on one moment. <clears throat>
0: If I'm was that not mistaken, the right answer? What works? I think that stick was specifically for beating people away <laughs> to keep them that distance away from you, while you're um, trying to move throughout the. Probably. Town, if I'm not
1: okay. To be fair, they don't actually know what the stick was for, but probably it was just a walking. Yeah, it
2: looks like it would be a device.
1: Yeah, it it was probably a walking stick, but it could have been.
2: Ears after that stream,
1: ah, no worries. Um. Okay, so the thing about these plague doctors is their actual purpose to what they actually did. Now, plague doctor, they were supposed to be doctors who went in and were there to try to help the sick. In reality, most towns just hired a bunch of people who knew nothing about medicine, and what they basically ended up doing was went to town, collected money, and then put a bunch of dead people on carts and took them away to be burned or thrown into a mass grave. Which... To be there
0: burning the body was a good
1: idea for the plague. (laughs) No, yeah, it was entirely, but... The doctors were supposed to help people, but basically they just collected dead people. So that's all they really did. And oftentimes... And you were right, they moved from town to town. And um, oftentimes, though, here's the thing. They would go... Once they were in a town where they gathered all the dead people, they would go to the next town because they figured the Black Death would soon come there, which... Well, considering this was a plague spreading, they were usually right. So it became that when you saw a plague doctor coming into your town, the Black Death was probably close on in. And it didn't help that oftentimes it was. Where they would be safe because of the heavy cloaks they were wearing, at least most of them, not all of them. Some of them definitely contracted it. Um, People would start dying as soon as the plague doctor showed up, and then once the plague doctor was there, they collect bodies and leave. So it wasn't altogether a good image and well that's where a little bit of the grim comes from because this might have been the creation of their mythos now you're probably wondering how does while they're creepy how does bird nose turn into a skeleton wearing wielding a scythe? well that is where a lot of symbolism comes in but before that um zed shadow rfox anything you want to add about the plague doctors or just general opinions on them and their methods
0: um so the plague doctor i always found them a little bit fascinating just because their appearance it's very grim reaper like with the whole cloak and black um i the mask itself is what always invoke people because it's not just um the beak the beak has been used in I believe the Italian Renaissance, um, the beak was commonly used as a um, party mask. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Um, You're not. It, it, thank you, Assassin Creed Ezio, um, <laughs> for all those who got that. Um, so it is not just <laughs> the plague. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not just the plague. It was. Um, they did use this for other things. So I, I guess. I'm I'm wondering if the mask itself came um, came from Italian origins. That's actually a good question, and I am not sure. I don't know which came first because I know for a fact the party motif came well after the plague. But I I do wonder the fact that the Italian adopted it so quickly, if it um came from Italy. Um. Yeah, you gotta think about it. So that that's the thing I, I for do another not know. day. <laughs> Yeah, that's something to think about for
1: another day. But, but yeah, no, that is an interesting point. Is uh, and again, it shows already things coming from the plague mass. You know, people adopting it into modern day culture. But also, what creeped people out a lot about the plague mass, I think, was the glass eyes. You know, just those sunken in eyes, like are always
0: kind of creepy. It's like oh. someone who never blinks. It's just, it's creepy. I was wrong. It came from. Well, you guys would. It, it, it came from the country. We all should suspect that it came from where the plague hit. It the hardest. Um, France. Yeah, yeah. It, of course, it's France. It. I bet you. Then that makes sense. If I look up this guy, I bet you he is going to be in that part of France that bordered Italy.
1: <sighs> Probably. I mean, are you, uh, sorry? Are you looking it up or? Yeah, you no, I'm this? looking it up because I'm curious. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> no. Go, go
0: ahead. That that is interesting. Um, zoom out, zoom out. d Dehans. <laughs> 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 no, um, he's he's born in the city south of France. Um, Moulins, M-O-U-L-I-N-S, was his birthplace. Okay. So he is uh, southern France. Um, I guess a little bit. Southern Central France. I- I'm going off of Paris being most central, but then actually again, I- that I'm does not from France. So that does
1: make sense because uh, th- there is a thing about France where the southern part is known to be a bit more superstitious. So basically, no matter where you are in a country, everywhere has a south. That's an interesting concept. I've never really thought about before, but uh, never mind that. Um, so yeah, the south was known to be a bit more superstitious, especially with their beliefs. I mean, that's... I believe the southern part of France is where the beast of Jevoudon came from. But again, that's that's for another video. But, yeah, okay, that is interesting, though, that it came from France. But, again, you can see some of the influence of the culture as it even made its way to Italian where they started using it for more of a popular image. But the image clearly stuck with them. So... Going back to the Grim Reaper, with uh, how this legend was formed, that, or basically how basically a Plague Doctor turned into a black cloak clad skeleton wielding a scythe, is you have to basically look at the Grim Reaper as all symbolism. I mean, a skeleton, that's a pretty common symbol of death. Like, a skull, it, it's very common symbol of death, which goes all the way back throughout all of history. I mean... What is a better symbol of death than, you know, a skeleton? Can, can anyone think of one? Mm, Again.
0: Symbol of death. Um, Well, it depends on the culture, technically, at that point. Because um, some cultures consider some types of birds messengers and symbols of death. Um, cats was considered, what, the guardians of the underworld by the Egyptians? Um yeah, but in all of them like skulls are pretty synonymous with death. Yes. I'm try I like yeah. I'm, I'm seriously trying to think of a another symbol of death that we that we know of that isn't a skull. Yeah, cuz like it's pretty embedded in there.
1: Skull probably pro-
0: crows, crows and ravens was the first thing that came to mind because yeah. those are often regarded as messengers or creatures of death. Um Dogs, hellhounds, those were True. regarded as um, beasts of death. Um, I know there are certain types of plants, nightshades, I think, or, um, was regarded. I know there was a type of poison that plant that was regarded as death. Um, Deadly nightshade, yeah. And again, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm having to dig through some, some obscure.
1: Yeah, but, <laughs> actually, no, it's uh, good that you brought that up because that also brings up the other thing. The Grim Reaper is cloaked in black. You know, like you mentioned uh, with the Hellhounds, with the Raven, you know, most of them are black in color. They're yeah. forbidding. They come at night, where night is shown as this uh, terrifying thing of the unknown. The night covers things. You're not safe at night. That whole that whole shit. Yeah. which also makes sense why the Reaper is cloaked in black. And then finally the Scythe. Believe it or not, the scythe is not a badass weapon. I don't care what the anime show Ruby says. The scythe is not a weapon; it is a harvesting <laughs> tool. It is meant for harvesting grain and wheat, and that souls. is its purpose. Yes, and well, lives. <laughs> no,
0: actually. <laughs> if you've ever tried to wield a scythe, it would be a—it would actually be a very lousy weapon. I've wielded a comma, which is like a baby scythe. And you said it was a lousy weapon. Yeah, I said it was a fa- a pe- <laughs> I say it was a peasant tool, sir. <laughs> <laughs> the scythe
1: isn't much better. But the scythe is a harvesting tool. That's what it's meant to do. It is meant to harvest things. So, you literally have a skeleton in black with a harvesting tool who harvests souls. So that's the entire symbolism. foreboding, death, and harvesting. Which basically describes the Grim Reaper Teeth. Another good look at – if you want to know something about monsters, if you want to know a little bit about them and possibly get an idea of where they came from, I found that understanding the name really helps because we don't always think about what words mean. Like a lot of us will use words constantly, and in reality, if we're at the definition, we don't even know what it means. We just have context clues of what it may mean, period. Why did I say period? I have no idea. A good example of this is the word fortuitous. A lot of people use fortuitous, not as much nowadays because our education system sucks, but a lot of people used to use the word fortuitous. And oftentimes when they use it, they use it in the terms where it means lucky. But it actually doesn't mean lucky at all. What it actually means is by chance. Or if you want to add lucky into it, by a lucky chance. But altogether, fortuitous does not mean lucky. It just means unlikely to have happened so happening by chance. I mean, you guys probably think of other
0: words that you use all the time, but I've never really stopped to think of the definition. And I do have to say we did hit the timer, yeah. so I didn't know if you wanted to keep going. Um, it's close to being – yeah, let's keep going. Okay. Yeah, we'll f-
1: work this out. but Because um, we had the introduction, which took a bit of time. Yeah. We won't have to do the introduction every time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, fortuitous – So we don't always know what words mean. So when we're looking at monsters, really look into what the monster's name actually means. Grim Reaper, you know, Reaper is very obvious. Someone who reaps. You reap what you sow. Someone who takes in a harvester. That's obvious. But Grim actually does have a meaning. And Grim, unsurprisingly, means uh, forbidding, uninviting, mirthless, black, or depressing. Which sums up the Grim Reaper very, very earnestly. I mean, can you think of a more clear-cut description for the Grim Reaper than that?
0: Um, Anyone? Uh, Death is no? <laughs> Death?
1: Yeah. Exactly, which, yeah, that is the definition. So, with that, with all the information, the time period, people, what I think happened to the creation of the grim reaper is that i believe that in the time where people were basically just dropping dead with no explanation people were looking for any kind of explanation even if it sounded ridiculous they wanted something to be afraid of because when you put a label on for most things for the majority of things when you know what it is or can put a name to it or a label, it becomes less scary yes shadow r fox i know for not everything but for most things okay (laughs) yeah okay And they were desperately looking for that. And then along comes the plague doctor. Plague doctors were meant to be helpful, but let's face it, the majority of them were not. The majority of them were, at best, corpse grabbers. They were collecting corpses, and let's be honest, probably some of them were stealing valuables from the corpse. I mean, that's just, that's how people are. So, and then they would travel from town to town, and people would see them and probably know the black death would be coming to their town soon. They became this omen of death. And over the years, they would have eventually started um started tagging death with these plague doctors. So relating death with them. So they essentially almost became death. Then as stories told about beware plague doctors. You know, whenever it's a good story, they like to keep telling. But as we know, the Black Death didn't last forever. After it killed a good portion of Europe, it did eventually go away. Um, In England, of course, it's, I mean, London, of course, it's famous. The Black Death was gotten rid of when uh, the baker burned the bread and most of the wooden town of London burned to the ground, which is why it is illegal to build a building solely made out of wood in London to this day. The Globe Theater had to get special permission to do it, actually, for historical reference. But because of that, again, the stories kept going. But, you know, a guy in a bird suit doesn't sound that intimidating. So what they do, they sensationalize it. And the sensationalization has to make sense, usually. So what better things to make sense than skeleton, harvesting tool, and black cloaks? And eventually that became the Grim Reaper. And I think the biggest reason the Grim Reaper... Lasted is because it's such an iconic image. It's kind of interesting that of all the deities who are nice and kind, who are welcoming and inviting, the one that we've chosen to kind of really populate our modern day is the Forbidding One, the agent of death that looks terrifying. It is interesting that that's the one we chose. Why do you guys think that's the one that we kind of focus on?
0: Yeah, because death is the biggest mystery that our ancestors never understood and never could wrap their heads around so it's probably one of the things they fear most it's fair Zed
2: uh, I mean the only reason I can think of why the Grim Reaper became the more iconic icon of it is just due to the timing it's probably more recent and fresh in people's heads than any depiction that existed before it
1: Yeah, and to be fair, it also you got a point also came during a very like dramatic time. I mean, the Black Death is still like the most famous plague of all time. So So yeah, maybe that makes sense. Or maybe we all just like have this great fascination for the macabre and dangerous that we don't like to admit. So yeah, but all in all, that's probably close to how the Grim Reaper origin came about. From doctors who were meant to help to forbidding dark reaper of souls to take you to your underworld. I mean, heck, I hope that uh, gives a good lesson on how monster and especially monster stories can evolve. And we'll be exploring more with them as it goes. Uh, anything you guys want to add about the Grim Reaper? Any questions you might have or points you want to bring up?
2: Man, I, I just found it funny that you brought up how a scythe is a horrible weapon in reference to Ruby when Ruby has a character that was called the Grim Reaper. Who used the scythe. Wait, seriously? Yeah. Wow, okay. Who, yes, they.
0: Did. I, I can find a picture. Uh, okay. I, I, again, you see my point. It is permeated now, our culture. To be fair, with that character in particular, um, she had the unique ability where her eyes would essentially turn all monsters to stone. So... A little bit more OP than just a, a woman running around with a scythe. It was a, a woman who could literally look someone into death. <laughs> Damn, so... Like
1: uh, a Red Riding Hood basilisk almost, Yes, huh? exactly like Damn. that. Damn. Damn, okay. Yeah, here you go.
2: There's the picture.
1: Okay. Uh... Uh, well,
0: again, Grim Reaper symbolism all the way there.
2: Oh,
1: am
0: I going to have to do that real fast? Yep. <laughs> like, oh, Zay, you gave, gave me... Zay why don't you save me a little bit of time and just copy and paste that into the disco so I can quickly add that to it. Uh, hey, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not going um, to... copy image. <laughs> you, you just save me a couple of minutes, please. Best.
1: Okay, and, uh... While they're doing that, that a shout-out. There you go. <laughs> uh, I'll be giving a shout-out to the book that we're going to be going through, Probable, Possible, Plausible, An Explanatory Guide to Monsters of Myth. We'll be talking about each one of the monsters listed. And, of course, if you'd like more information that we perhaps didn't cover in this podcast,
0: you can get it on Amazon. And um, I'm going well, to if have you the- man- i'm gonna have the link in the description um i i actually did that as you were doing the introduction that was one the thing (sighs) i was doing was um getting the link to um the book and so that way i could actually i don't know why (laughs) but it didn't want to come in so don't worry i got you. what the image. Nice. Okay, there's the picture through. Oh, there we go. It did not want to come in. It was like, no, no, I'm gonna make Fine. Shadow of Fox. <laughs> we we'll call it. No, it then. was so slow. Uh the Grim Reaper, forbidding to the end. Forbidding to the end. Man, the fact that I'm able to do this. In real time. Hey, no. Kudos. But.
1: But yes, that so that will cover our edition on the Grim Reaper and its mythology. I encourage you, of course, to look up more. Buy the book, take a look, and really look at monsters. Maybe there's more to it than you think. I hope you'll join us again next time when we're going to be looking over possibly the most famous monster in the world, vampires. No, we will not be covering the themes oh, cool. of twilight. Oh, that will not thanks. take. Wait, you mean they don't sparkle? <laughs> and-
2: <laughs> they do not i'm 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 warning you right now if you make any twilight references
1: i will find you and i will make you suffer (laughs) yes so again we will not be covering the themes of twilight we will be covering actual vampiric things we'll be covering their mythos so with that um did you guys have any final
0: words um, no, no, um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I am i got to get faster with my NC. I'm just now sitting here trying to, I, I'm now sitting here
2: because I'm going to have to find a Pokemon, and I, I not only have to find a Pokemon that's now like a vampire, which shouldn't be that hard, but I now have to find a voice changer to turn my voice into the Pokedex voice.
1: <laughs> All right, Zed has got his challenge. Shadow R. Fox is flexing his real-time <sighs> muscles. Sounds like a good place to stop. I hope you all have enjoyed this, and we will hopefully hear from you again. See you guys. See ya. Later.